That was literally verbal diarrhea. I'm setting the bar awfully low. Titus O'Neil keeps running directly into that bar. Get him off my TV. Get him off my TV. You make me very angry. The man who has a better IQ than you, the awe-inspiring JC. You should go work for WWE because you'd be so up far up Vince's No, butt. no, no, no. Oh, you are no, such no, a no, sucker. No, no, no. You are. You defend everything, all the bad moves they make. This is the Chopper Knocker What's up, jobbers, and welcome to the latest edition of the Jobberknocker Podcast. As always, it's Nelson Mania alongside for the writers, a man that always, always plays defense in an NBA, NBA star all-star game. I flubbed that big time. JC. Nobody plays defense in all-star games, Adam. Come on. It has become a mockery, though, like a legit mockery. I just, but, I, when I saw the score, all I could think about was, wow, am I, this is like Harlem Globetrotters on fucking drugs. I mean, you got Lillard hitting half court three, so that's impressive at least, so. Sure, but we're not here to talk about the NBA. We're here to talk about wrestling, sports entertainment, the juggernaut. Um, so we have a lot to talk about. We got Elimination Chamber uh, on Saturday, I believe. Is it Saturday? At 5 a.m. Eastern Standard Wait, Time so, here in the States. Me, so it's on Saturday morning at 5 o'clock, not Sunday For morning. Us. For, okay. Yeah. This is going to be something else. I mean, this is, you know, Danny. Are you waking up for it? Fuck no. I mean, unless my unless my son wakes up at five o'clock, then I'll just have him sit. But the problem is I can't have my son watch Elimination Chamber. Like that that's bad parenting. Much like Becky Lynch and Seth Rollins two weeks ago talking about how they they're like, I have to explain to my daughter why my my husband wants to beat up Maui or like how like never it's a whole thing. She said a whole thing last week and I just didn't even bother with it because you guys say I'd say too much stuff about Becky Lynch. So she's a bad parent in terms of her her character, not a, not as a person though. Anyway, moving on. We should probably talk about positivity. It is the shine. Let's start on the positive. All right. Yeah, so I'm looking at this week. It was an interesting week. Uh there was I thought there were some good quality matches this week. And I'm gonna start over on SmackDown with the men's, I almost called it Money in the Bank, Elimination Chamber quality uh, qualifiers because I, for one, there was a few botches in this match, but it didn't bother me. But Logan Paul and The Miz, I thought, put on a great TV match. I think KO and Dom did as well. But it was just, it was kind of cool to see Logan Paul wrestle on free TV because they made a big deal about how he hasn't done that on SmackDown, which I didn't realize, but it makes sense. And it, this was kind of like, him and the Miz have that sort of little chemistry going on, so it was nice to see them kind of revamp their thing, and they let them go. I mean, this was on, I think, a three-segger, but I really enjoyed this. This is probably my favorite match of the week, but I did really also enjoy KO and Dom because, I mean, look, it, Dom is just, it just, he's just a perfect guy for someone to beat up, so. I just love watching Dom get beat up, like you said, and I think KO does a great job. I was surprised that Logan and KO ended up winning those matches, as we talked about. I thought they were going to cost each other those matches. I was just dreaming, obviously, because clearly they needed to put those guys in there for the kaboom of the week, as we talk about. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, having our truth out there thinking KO is Miz and then KO wins anyway because Dom wants the chair. That was hysterical stuff. Of course, we talk about just watching Logan Paul in general again. Not necessarily the the shiniest person in the ring, not necessarily the most polished person in the ring, but man, what a raw talent! What a way to get the, you know everybody interested. And again, you can say what you want about the guy. Top of the hour, that's the proof in the pudding right there. Whoever's at top of the hour, 
that's their person, right? Like that's the hot hand. That's what they're trying to get across. And that's what it is. So I thought that was wonderful. And again, it just makes perfect sense. We're headed our way to Australia Saturday morning, five o'clock. Nobody's going to watch this fucking thing live unless you're a fucking crazy person. Mm. There's a lot of people who are probably up at five, but you know, some people with their kids will turn it on and stuff like that. I don't think I'll be waking up because I'm, Oh uh, yeah, I am working the night before. So yeah, yeah, yeah there's no fucking way you're doing it. No way. No way. Is anybody in the chat going to actually watch this live? Come on. Tell me, tell me true. Like Stoop has, Stoop has kids. I mean, when I wake up, I'll put on whatever's on, which will probably be the back half of it. So, I mean, it's going to be three hours, right? So by the time eight o'clock rolls around, you're going to be like, Hey, like, you know, it's cool, but it's going to be, I mean, that we talked about this now that it's on a streaming service. It doesn't really matter as long as they get the click. Like it doesn't matter when it happens. Well, I mean, this show's all about, they're literally going to Australia. And so they, it has to be within a, this is what you get when you go to different parts of the world is like, the American audience suffers, but they're trying to become a global brand uh, even more so than they already are. So that's what they're doing. The global phenomenon. That's hard to say. Anyway, um, let's. Uh, I'm going to talk about something that I thought was absolutely stellar and I thought very super positive. I was watching Monday Night Raw and after um, a certain match, we'll talk about, I don't know how you feel about it, but we'll, we'll see where you go with it. Um, they broke out the fucking Telestrator. And I was just like, what? Yeah, twice, I believe. They did it twice. They did it a couple times. And they were talking about eyeline and fucking people getting in there. And all I could think about was Bobby the Brain. He didn't used to do it in the early 80s, early 90s. And they just kind of stopped it. And I just thought, what a great fucking gimmick for Pat McAfee to have. It was wonderful because it gives that sports feeling. And, of course, they had to impress the you know the Netflix execs. But, again... We talk about the lighting changes, the way they're trying to present a different product on, at least on Raw, it seems they're presenting a different product, it seems. But when I saw the Trillistrator, I went, oh, you know, I was so excited about it because it just made me so interested in like, usually just watch a fucking replay and that's your fucking fast forward or you fucking grabbing your fucking phone or you're getting your drink or something. But then when I saw that, I'm like, okay, it's making me not turn away. What a smart fucking move that is. You know what I mean? Like we we always talk about on this program. I skip the entrances. You skip the matches. You we watch the promos. Like there's certain things that are very skippable, right? And when you add little ducks in the row like that, now you make what I'm watching even more important. I love that. I love that things have meaning even when they don't. I think that's wonderful. So bravo to the people that thought about it and brought it back because it's wonderful. And I, I, I yeah, they used it um, in when SmackDown, I think when Pat was around the first time, a few times, I know with the Corbin stuff, they used it because that kind of got, and I think they used it with like theory as well. Um, so I, I am glad they brought it back because it's something that gives Pat, it's something for Pat, especially to really like bring out the Patness, the McAfee-ness that he uh, brings to the program, just like circling people's expressions, like circling Cody's expression and circling Drew's expression. Like, Oh, look at his diabolical. Like it just, it's, it adds something to it. And like you said, it's, something a little extra on a replay and it's clearly probably going to be sponsored because i did it later in the night for something else i don't remember what it was but uh i believe they're using piero which is what we started using at work i believe so look at that synergy just saying you know jc's available in case you guys have some tech issues he's really good at his job anyway i don't know that's I, thing not with that software <laughs> Dude, shut the fuck too. up i'm trying to get you more money and that's all i'm trying to tell you right now <laughs> fucking a what if somebody in, in the fucking company was listening you, you just fucking poo-pooed yourself what are you doing come on hey, we, i don't use that i've we got trained on i've never up. used it talk i've never used up. it why would i do that i fucking was the libero king but we don't use that anymore we use piero now that all i heard was a bunch of o's i don't even know what the fuck he just said yeah. today. anyway big moving words, on big words I don't, Speaking I don't of do big words. words um, I thought this was kind of interesting. WrestleMania. 
Michael Chandler getting to cut a promo on Monday Night Raw randomly in the middle of the show. And I was like, oh, my God. So Conor McGregor has fucking been running around like an idiot and can't get his shit together because he probably doesn't want to actually get in shape. Are they going to fucking do a match at WrestleMania between these two? Because that's the only way Conor's going to fight. I don't know if they're going to do that, but I think they might set up their eventual fight with something at WrestleMania because like, it wasn't a mistake that when he was cutting the promo, the fucking sign was right there and he was looking at it. And Conor McGregor has always talked about wanting to do stuff with WWE and now the partnership's there. And TKO is probably looking at it like, look it, we've been trying to get this guy in the octagon for a year. It was the issues with USADA because the guy's probably juiced, gas the gills. Well, USADA's gone now, but they still have some sort of testing. But my thing is a lot of times with these guys, I just don't think they want to get in shape. But I thought it was kind of cool. A little promo, a little crossover. We're going to see more of this stuff. But they have me intrigued because McGregor is a guy that is that wrestling type persona where there is definitely business for him to do with WWE. And if this is kind of the door to open something there, I'm interested. I'm interested to see it because Connor is a legit larger than life personality. So I have many things to ask you about it because you're just, you know, you're just very into the the whole UFC world. And I just, I bowed out a long time ago when I was into the UFC. So I, I'm curious your take on a lot of these things, but I will say this much. Don't you think that the both of them don't belong in a WWE ring right now? Like, I don't feel like they're not going to bounce the ropes. They're not going to be, you well, know what it's I mean? No, like, it's not, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be if they did something at WrestleMania, it wouldn't be a wrestling match. It would be some sort of like gimmicky fight because they're, they're not. I mean, Michael Chandler is one of the most exciting fighters. That guy is just fucking pedal to the metal. He's a badass. He has a fucking sick K, uh, KO front kick to uh, Tony Ferguson from uh, about a year and a half ago now. If you want to look at that clip, it's a fucking badass knockout. But he's a legit badass. He's fun to watch. So when him and McGregor like eventually fight, it will be fun. But I just it's it's it would it wouldn't be like I, again. I don't think they're actually gonna do something WrestleMania. I think they might do something WrestleMania weekend to cross promote and kind of let Connor kind of do something. Maybe it's like how they could even do a they could fucking waste our time with a segment during WrestleMania with it. But I think a lot of people are all for it because Connor fucking moves the needle. Chandler is a guy that a lot of people like. So I, I just thought it was a nice little surprise because it was just random out of nowhere. Like, Oh, like they showed like 50 different fucking random ass people in the crowd. I guess all the TKO people were there too. So they're clearly pushing for some cross promotion here during WrestleMania season, but it's more to see. I mean, we've seen Bianca Belair and Montez Ford showing up at UFC because one of the girls, uh, Diana Balbita came out to Bianca's uh, entrance a couple weeks ago. So it's definitely going both ways. So it is kind of a cool for someone who's a fan of both to see a little bit of the crossover. I don't want them to go too insane, but in terms of McGregor, like there's definitely money to be made there. Stoop is asking, what if, what if a legit MM, MMA fight happens in a WWE ring? Because we can see, forget the octagon. Yes, it's, it's a symbol. It's the whole thing. It's kind of the whole reason we're here. But what if, like to, to Stoop's point, you know, you've you've seen like Bellator and other places or a boxing kind of set up where like the, the turnbuckle pads are the long rectangle things in the corners and they have, you know, you could make it work and have a legitimate thing. My thing is, is I think you alienate the fans to show up for WrestleMania. That's my personal take on it, because, again, there are people such as yourself, JC, that are WWE and, and UFC fans, but I don't think there's as many that we think i mean we love yeah, but they're Conor not McGregor. doing it for me that's the whole point they're doing yeah. it for the people who don't know that maybe someone sees conor mcgregor kind of promo like oh that guy's great maybe that's that's the whole point of why they're doing it is for those people that you just mentioned that are going to wrestlemania that have no fucking idea is they want to get eyeballs on this and 
what better way to make people maybe want to flip on and turn on some UFC than fucking Conor McGregor running his mouth against little Michael Chandler there. So that's, that's literally why they're doing it. Because like, for me, it's like, they they don't need to do anything with me. I'm already watching both. I'm, I'm irrelevant in terms of that. They're going for the people who don't go there and don't have a clue. And just like, what the fuck is this? So he says, you think you get more eyes on WWE and UFC. My question to you, JC is, if you had to guess right now, who has more eyes on it right now? Like, what what is the bigger product? Do you think, in terms of I mean, popularity, I, it's definitely WWE, and it's not even close because they're they're almost like the UFC has reached a lot more globally, but like, I mean, WWE is just such a big phenomenon. But it's just it's their audiences where there definitely can be crossover. So there are definitely UFC fans out there who like might see some WWE and be interested in vice versa. So there's definitely is something to capitalize there. But I mean, it's 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 different because there are a lot of fight fans who like like they're like the ones who really push like oh it's fake it's like whoa, whoa, whoa. like the fucking hardos on one end and then there's the like nerdy dorky wrestling fans on one end that like don't you know what I mean so those those sides will never meet but it's more of like the people in the middle that are just kind of like whatever that's like oh. Oh, Bianca Belair, that's pretty cool. Oh, maybe I'll check out some WWE. Or, oh, hey, Conor McGregor, that guy's sweet. Oh, he's fighting Michael Chandler. Maybe I'll go hang out with my friends and watch the pay-per-view. So that's just what they're trying to do. It's just like that's what the this company coming together is great for both sides because they can do stuff like this. And TKO's like a they are a fucking brand, like in-your-face company as we're starting to see with the advertising and everything else. So they're going to capitalize to the moon with all this shit. Okay. Any other things you have uh, going with this particular merger thing, or do you want to move on? No, no, I just thought it was cool because I just I literally didn't expect it. It was literally out of nowhere, but I thought it was cool. And I mean, I think Michael Chandler is a good guy to do it because Michael Chandler's fucking badass. So I don't know many people who don't like Michael Chandler. Our boy Bursky says the WWE has 13.2 million on Twitter. UFC has 12 million getting closer. So, uh, you know, Stoop said it. UFC, was- no, don't get me wrong. UFC has a huge reach. It's just, I feel like WWE, it just. UFC has gotten a lot over the world, especially like in certain places. Like they've obviously traveled more than WWE to recently, but I just, I feel like the WWE, it's just, it's, it's got a little bit of a leg up just cause it's so much more of a variety thing where UFC it's like specific. It's one thing. It's people literally trying to kill each other where WWE it's like you have the wrestling, the entertainment and all that. So it's a bigger net that you're able to cast, but yeah, no, if the socials are closer, like, yeah, it doesn't surprise me, but I, I do think that if, there was like a straw poll. I think WWE would win by a pretty sizable margin, not major, but sizable. I will say one thing that the WWE doesn't do as well as the UFC, at least in my opinion, is just the the way that they brand the UFC as well as the fact is the sponsorship element of it. They've got their leg up. They've done years of that sponsorship elements and, and, and doing things on the mat and just having those relationships already built. And we've seen in the last year how being part of TKO and having the UFC rub for the WWE has created so many things because how many times we hear Triple H go, oh, another monumental life for the WWE with sponsorship yeah. and sponsored matches. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you're going to see more of that because, like you said, you look at a UFC octagon, it's like a fucking, it's just like everywhere, literally everywhere. Just so it, it's, uh, that's definitely something that picked up big time when TKO took over for them too. So it's, it's going to get, if you're, if you're not a fan of advertising, like being everywhere, well, I got news for you. Sorry. It's happening in all sports, but it's going to happen real quick in wrestling because these guys, are no joke with this shit. All right. Anything else that you'd like to talk about that was uh shine worthy? Uh, that's a no. I'm curious. Well, no, no. So these I liked, I enjoyed the um Cody Drew matches and the Gunther Jimmy or the Gunther J matches. 
it just, and I'm curious your take on this because you're always a big thing of like, you can't have the same from the same show. Not only did we have like the same type of finish in the same show front and the end, it was with the exact same fucking people. So that's why for me, it was like, it was tough because obviously I like, I love the callback with solo on Cody doing it again. Cause it sets it up in the back with Seth. Like, I think that was necessary, but having Jay and Gunther the same week and having Jimmy cost him as well. It just, it felt like a lot of it, but I think that was kind of the point, just the bloodline kind of flexing their muscles. But uh, it, I don't know. It just, it's, I enjoyed both the matches. They were both very good matches. My favorite part, actually, of all of it was freaking during Jay Uso's entrance, McAfee going nuts, and Gunther just turned around staring at him, and Pat slowly going like this, and I was like, now I need a Gunther-Pat McAfee match. Like, it just, like, oh, so for no. me, like, that was the A-plus highlight of the month, but I did love Drew pinning Cody, too, because I think the way we're looking at it is we're expecting Drew to win that chamber. He's going to get his third shot at Seth. But you really, this I think is a big deal for Drew. Even though he took advantage of bloodline shit, I think that's good for his character because Cole was all over that. But I think picking up big wins on his resume too, going in being like, "Well, I'm the only guy who pinned Cody Rhodes since Roman at WrestleMania," and so yeah, like what, like it's it's something that he can use, and it obviously doesn't hurt Cody at all. So I did like those results of it. I just the interference stuff just felt a little bit too much, you know. I kind of tend to agree with what you said about the too much interference thing. But the one thing I was thinking is if you took Jay, sorry, Jimmy out of the the first part with Cody and just had solo, that would have been wonderful, but you can't, right? You can't, cause yeah. you gotta have the distraction you or, you know, yeah. um, I did. Only the think, Rock and Roman showed up for work a little more than once. I know. Week. I know. The one thing I did think that was ingenious was the ringing of the bell because Gunther didn't kick out. So you like, you have the, the, Oh, Jay could beat him right thought yep. right so i thought that was really important in terms of the storytelling and that you know then of course jay does whatever he can against jimmy but jimmy you know gets the upper hand at the end there and that's fine i don't i don't hate it as much as uh um, some people might but i think it is difficult in those situations i think if you had let that breathe and let cody have that l for one week and then next week you had the jay thing yeah then i think that you would have been okay now i'm in a succession because Truth will be told here, right? We don't know specifics, obviously, when it happens, what's going to happen in the Elimination Chamber or the week after. But we, I don't, I didn't read the spoilers for SmackDown that are on Friday. I would assume that the Rock and Roman are not technically on that program, but maybe they are. They probably pre tape Well, everything was pre-taped, so I'm sure. Right, so I don't something. know. I, I didn't look at it, but my question would be is, if they're not on there, it's like, okay, you could have waited. You could have waited to do all this stuff. Like, you know, you didn't have to fucking blow your load, as we talk about all the time. But I get it. It is what it is two good results out of it are that Cody, you know, lost. And then he's going to finally kind of start from the bottom, work his way up Rocky Balboa style. And Jay gets fucked again. And if you, there's a really cool stat here that totally escaped my mind when I was watching, but I, I saw this morning in my, in my uh, tweets, which was Jimmy has cost Jay. Get this. The tag titles, the intercontinental title and the world title. Like that's, that. that's wonderful. Right now. They probably that's didn't think why, of it that's that how you set up a WrestleMania feud been like, Jay, you cannot accomplish your dreams until you take care of your baggage and your baggage is your brother. You got to beat that boy's ass at WrestleMania and we get yeah. all get to go like this, baby. I just think I, I, I mean, if, if, if Jimmy wins, I'm going to lose it. I just, I, I don't I, think so. I think, I, I think I, what will happen is Jay will win and they'll have a moment and it'll, I, th- I think it'll 
Well, I think it'll just, I don't know. I don't it'll think, I'll think they'll, it'll just be a moment. I feel like that's a good match to kick off like night one or night two. Absolutely. Absolutely. It depends. I feel like it'd be a good way to kick off night two because it starts the crumbling of Roman as all his like cohorts start to fall apart, you know, cause that's what, that's what Cody said when he originally said to Roman, he's like, I want to take everything away from you. So Jay taking Jimmy out of the equation would be step one. Someone taking solo step two, rock yeah, yeah, down the line. So, but we'll see. I'm curious, but I thought they did a good job doing it when Jimmy, after he cost him, he was looking up at the WrestleMania sign. So we're definitely full speed ahead for Uso Uso mania, which I'm excited about. Uso Uso. <laughs> It's <laughs> just funny though. He said, Uso, Uso Mania. It just, it just it sounds like a commercial or something. Anything else? Or would you like to move on? Because I got one last thing that I think is worth. Yeah, go for it. Let's hear it. I could not be any more excited, slash, I was in stitches when they did Truth Line. I was just like watching Truth do this stupid 60 minutes kind of Dateline NBC thing <laughs> was so funny. And he had just the two lines that fucking stood out to me. I was just like, he was like, you know, and he was talking about the Sopranos and fucking, and then he talked about how he was like, you know, Damien was my duck. I fucking spit out my water. I was like, what a fucking line. And then the other thing was like, I feel like genuine when he wrote pony. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> what? Like the fact that, and Jackie deserves a lot of credit for not breaking character here. And honestly, the, the, the other thing was like, obviously it's to highlight truth and, and the eight man tag, which I don't care about, but they highlight that thing. But I think it's also, what I enjoy watching is is getting to see these women and men and people who are not necessarily, you know, talent in terms of the wrestling, but talent backstage that are very good at their job and they need time to flex their muscles. And within the old regime, didn't get to do that. This is like I watch this and I'm like, Jackie's doing more than just saying setting you up for your promo. And I, I love that aspect of it, because when you make somebody human then I get behind them or I I, I want to see them on my television and I'm not going to fast forward the stupid backstage promo or something like that. So I thought overall it was just great. And it's just so fun to see stuff like that changing a little bit because we've talked about this for a very long time. What was it, like 2017, 2019 or something when all four of them, all the McMahons were in the ring saying, we're going to listen to you. And then nothing fucking happened. Right. So now we're getting exactly what we want. And then some things we didn't even know we wanted. And I'm, I'm really positive at least for the wrestling on Raw and the production value of Raw has really changed and stepped up. I'm curious to see where we go in the next five years because I think a lot of these things are going to be really positive moving forward for the WWE. Yeah, no, this was a nice touch. It's nice to see like when they can spin, take a regular promo and make it something extra and something fun. And with a guy like Truth, it just he makes it so easy to do that. So yeah, this was definitely... The high point, but like you said, then it followed with probably your biggest heat of the week, which was the eight-man tag. Should we push the button, or do we have anything else positive? <laughs> get him off my TV, get him off my TV, get him off my TV. By the way, just really quickly, Bertsky asked us what our WWE 2K24 ratings would be because they were in the lower thirds. I'd be a 99, WrestleMania would be a 49. I don't even think you can go that low. Yeah, well, we are for you, baby. Okay, thanks. Well, I am a jobber, so I might as well be within the four. Jobbers would probably be in the early seventies, I think. I think they they don't have anybody under seventy, so uh, I don't think. they might they might. I feel like sometimes they dog some of the women at like high sixties. Um, you know what? You know what, but... Bertsky? Find me the ratings list. Find somebody that you think is equivalent to me, and then that's my score. Okay, I'll let Bertsky. So find the lowest rating ever in WWE games. Like, like was Ellsworth ever in a video game? What was his rating? That's what Nestle gets. I bet you. you know what? I... I'll change mine. I'll be fair. I'll be a ninety-three, just like Cody. Solidarity. 
you know what? You are. I agree with Danny Grimwood. You need to get the fucking neck tat and the fucking platinum blonde hair and your fucking bathrobe. And How do you know I don't have the nightmare as my tramp stamp on the back there? I'll ask all of your Tinder dates next time. I'm going to vet them. Anyway, moving. Tinder, bro. Or Bumble. You still Bumble, right? Bzz. Yeah, you still Bumble. You still Bumble. Not really. I hate dating apps. Let's Be right stuff. back. And for the end of the show, he's going to go look it up. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Bertsky's awesome. All right. So anyway, getting into the eight-man tag, what a fucking mess that thing was. It is what it is. Uh, I I mean, the the crowd went on fire for truth, but the rest of it was just nonsense. It didn't make any fucking sense. I see everybody running around, beating each other up, and it was just like my brain felt like I was on overdrive. I couldn't deal with this stuff. This is why I don't like multi-person tag matches. It, just- it was kind of cool to see uh, Awesome Truth and DX team up, though. It was, it was, especially since, you know, they didn't get along back in the day, but that's okay. That's that okay. was, that was actually, so that was one of the best parts of going back to the, the promo of like, it's said not triple H, not Shawn Michaels. <laughs> they're low with theirs. That fucking killed me. Yeah. Yeah. It's great stuff. But anyway, it's just, again, it, it, I'm glad that truth got what he could out of it. I'm glad that priest won. And then they looked dominant at the end. And I thought to myself, do you think this is the end of this little charade or is it, we're going to continue? I never say never, but it just it feels like this was hopefully the final because it feels like they really dragged it out because it got good. But it's like maybe it's time to take a breather. You can call back to it every now and then. But I think it's time for everyone involved to probably do different things. But we'll see. We will see. Um, Anything else that you thought was, you know, not so hot? Well, we have to talk about the the end of SmackDown. That was a big story wow. this week. We haven't talked to it yet. So mm-hmm. you didn't bring it up in the shine. So I'm assuming by default that makes it heat. Can we, and so we get, I, hold on, before we get into it, can we talk about how somebody that is in the Jabberknocker thread was, was berating us? Oh, well, so I'm getting to this. So we gotta, okay. I got to set right. the stage because okay. obviously I was away this weekend. I didn't get back till a few hours ago. So I literally binged SmackDown and Raw as I was half dead on my couch and trying to just like put stuff away and whatever. Um, and so I hadn't watched the segment. So obviously it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, today's Tuesday. That's a lot of time. And obviously you guys all watched it, right? I have Dom texting me like, oh, are you watching live? I'm like, no. And expectations were very, very, very high for this Rock and Roman Reigns, like, you know, first promo together. And so like I saw on the internet, you know, as I'm like doing my thing Friday night, drinking and whatever. And I see like you and Dom's reaction and uh, people aren't very positive. They're kind of disappointed. I thought it was underwhelming. Then we have fucking Ray of Sunshine, who has the WWE dildo up his ass, fucking saying, this is the greatest thing ever. Hollywood Rock is back. This is so good. And I was just like, bro, you got those chicken nuggets so far up to your sphincter. They're coming out your nose and you're fucking peeing WWE popcorn and ice cream bars. I love you, Ray, but good Lord. So I, I finally got to it today on Tuesday and I was underwhelmed. I was underwhelmed because The Rock came out. I'm like, okay. Because here's the thing about The Rock, and I kind of said this to Dom on text. He always has had a lot of corn. He's very corny. And especially in the Attitude Era, that fucking worked. Nowadays, like, when you do the corn, it has to be delivered in a different way. And The Rock was still doing this like it was fucking whatever year it was back then. And it just, it's... I, it's The Rock, so we forgive it. Like, obviously, it gets cool to fucking see The Rock because we never get to see The Rock, and he's a big fucking deal. But I'm watching, and I'm like, uh, I wanted more from this, especially with Roman, who's so good at, like, being that, like, larger-than-life serious character. I was like, 
I feel like that rock is tied to his leg and dragging him down a little bit here. So I was underwhelmed. I was truly underwhelmed. There was definitely some good pieces that I liked, but the biggest issue with the promo is it made no fucking sense. And I saw literally everyone say, it's like, Rock, do you not get that Cody won the Rumble, which is how he gets the match? He's not crying for a rematch. He literally gets it because he earned it, you dumb fuck. It just that was that was my biggest issue. It's just it made the promo, which I already wasn't in love with. It just the fact that it made no sense. I'm like, okay, like this guy, like this even fucking watched fucking wrestling ever. No, he has no fucking idea how anything works. So can I play? I can't believe I'm doing this. Can I play devil's advocate for just one second? Sure. Okay. So at one point, I forget what a couple weeks ago or a couple months ago. You were telling me about remember how I was saying something about the AJ Styles being upset with LA Knight? You were talking about like that's just the way life is. Sometimes you have misplaced anger and all that nonsense, right? And I was like, uh, no, you fucking kind of you 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 fucking twist my arm on that one. My anyway. Oh no, um, AJ, yeah, AJ Styles was upset that LA Knight took yeah. his spot when he was gone. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But I didn't like it, and you you made sense of it, even though I didn't think it was, you know, I thought it was garbage. Um yeah. I'm gonna attempt to do something similar to what you just <laughs> said, luck. but I I know I, I again grasping at straws here because I'm in your camp. I'm just I'm trying to make good television or good streaming here. Uh, you cosplaying as Ray on this podcast? Well, I couldn't cosplay as Ray because look at this dome up here. I got a full fucking head of lettuce, and that guy looks like a fucking <laughs> cue ball. So it is what it is. So hair whatever. shamer, WrestleMania. Not my fault. Not a like, hair shamer in this case. Not my fault. He looks like George Costanza. It's not my fault. I'm I'm a good looking man. He looks like a cue ball with glasses. Look, it's just is what it is. You look like a, I thought the Photoshop the backcracker did last week. That's kind of what you look like with your fucking like fucking oh yeah Ray Star Band in your forehead. Yeah, the Lavar Burton, if you will. Yes, yeah, yes. But hey, that man's got some wicked smooth skin and awesome looks. So you know what? I love him. <laughs> Reading Rainbow hashtag awesome. So I'm just saying, I just love I just love Lavar Burton. Anyway, um, moving on to what I was originally going to say. Backing up for a moment. By the way, I'm not even on a gummy tonight, so I'm all over the goddamn place. Uh, he did kind of come at the crowd like normal, The Rock. Like people were like, "Oh my god, it's Hollywood Rock," and I'm like, maybe. But I also thought like he took bits of corporate rock too. Like he is more corporate because he's the fucking board of directors. But the, but yeah. we're splitting hairs here. Whatever he can combine both and and become a mega fucking asshole or whatever. But I will say this much. In terms of what we talked about, the LA Knight AJ thing, if he's saying that Cody is a crybaby and Cody just expects to and not acknowledging, no pun intended, that he he won the Royal Rumble and he's just fucking asking for a rematch, isn't he kind of just being a dick? And isn't he just kind of being somebody that like is just not acknowledging what Cody had to go through because Roman and Rock is supposed to be the money match. So I feel like he's at any point trying to take away everything from Cody at least saying it when he's stripping it down in terms of the promo. So for me, when I was looking at it, I, I that didn't bother me as much as some people. There were other things that certainly bothered me, but it that that to me wasn't one of them. I thought he was just trying to negate the fact that actually Cody worked very hard because he's a fucking, he's a Hollywood actor. Maybe he doesn't have time for the shit, right? Like he's maybe he playing into the role of like, who's this fucking peon? I'm the fucking rock. So maybe that's what he's doing here. If he's not, and if he's it just, was, he didn't do a very good job at presenting. And I, it. I think that I think the issue does become sometimes in WWE they do a better job than anybody else of reminding us things and and, and hand holding us repeatedly. But there are times where they do skip the fast forward button, and I feel like with this clunkiness of Cody in, Cody out, Rock in, Rock out, Rock's back, Rock's doing this fucking whatever. There is a clunkiness factor to it. 
And I think that's what's leaving some people kind of schismed in some kind of way when it comes to Cody's team. Schism's back? No, knock it off. You know what I mean? Uh, but it is interesting to me because uh, there were things that I thought were positives, right? Like, you know, you can say he he pointed at uh, Roman saying, loser, I'm going to make sure that you have nothing left. And if you looked at the very end of SmackDown, he fucking puts up the fucking L with the one. And all I could think about was, you know, he's he's not putting up the number one. So maybe he is talking about Roman. Maybe he is working somehow with Cody to fuck this entire thing up. Like, I, I think that that's and the other thing, too, is like he said this one line where he said, you know, Cody's story is finishing. Our story is just beginning. And I, I took that from not just at face value, because Roman Reigns said, like, you got to listen closely here, folks, because we're going to give you a lot of information. He actually said that, which I thought was hilarious, because it, in my mind, when he said it, it was like, hey, idiots, read between the lines, you dumbasses, because here comes your fucking filet mignon, you fucking fast food bitches. And he fucking said, you know, Cody's story is finishing, which made me think, OK, Cody's winning that fucking title. And Rock is going to go towards Roman. Like, that's what he's implying yeah. here. Not that, for next year. And that's fine. But I just. That's the, what it, they should do. And I know I agree with you. I think we're going to get what we want. But we're we're so disconjointed from Royal Rumble till now that it's putting us in this weird, like, vortex of, like, the Rock to me did subtly say some things. But I think the issue is he didn't give me enough meat on the bone for me to even give a shit. Because. They didn't, to me, they didn't make it feel as big as they were trying to make it feel like exactly. They, they didn't, they made it seem like it was a big deal. They tried to sell us. It was a big deal, but it wasn't a big enough deal that the rock was in the bloodline. Like there wasn't a, a signature line or anything that made me feel like this. They is didn't a do a ceremony. Like it was one of those things. Yeah. Like I feel like, like they set up, but it's like, are they going to do a ceremony? Like when they, you know, with the bloodline, like that we've seen it with Roman do ceremonies with uh, the Usos and stuff. And with solo, it's just, so it felt like I was expecting more of that, like more of them and then more of them together. But this was a little like Roman came out, did his thing, acknowledged me, took his fucking eight hour entrance, prayed around the rain. Then he literally just handed us a rock and Roman didn't do anything again. It's so it's just like, I think what a lot of people were expecting um, was just more of like to see them as the team. And I'm sure we'll get that going forward. I don't know when, because who knows when those two will show up for work again, but it just, it's, I think people wanted more of that. And it felt more of like two individual parties just kind of there in the rock. Like he wore like a goofy shirt, like, Oh, look at me. Oh. And he had like his one line zingers and he went back and forth with the crowd, which that's just fun. Like I have no problem with that. It's just like, they both individually said like, yeah, rock is in the bloodline, but it's just like, they didn't, they didn't come across as a cohesive front. And that to me made it just seem like a lot of the stuff they were saying, like kind of just fall hollow. So it just, I don't feel, I feel like they didn't really accomplish much. Like they literally just said, yeah, rock is in the bloodline. Okay. And what, like, what's your, you said like, tonight's going to change everything. We're going to write the ship. We're going to fix it. What did you fix? Cody's still getting his match at main. You haven't, you haven't, you didn't change anything. You promised you were going to fix something. You didn't do shit. So I think that's the biggest issue with this this segment. Is it just like it didn't deliver anything of what they said? And like when you set stuff up like that, you know people are going to be disappointed when you don't deliver. That's literally part of it. Like that's why if you're going to hype something up, better make it fucking good. Because if not, you open yourself up to get needled. One more thing before we move on, and I, I'm curious, people, you know, in the chat or anybody listening, just let us know how you feel. But I, I'm curious what JC feels about this. 
the rock did you know his fucking herpes slapping nonsense and then like all these other like you know congratulations just set a record for trailer park trash all this stuff that he's but like the one thing i mean the rock is very entertaining clearly one of the most entertaining people in the world 100 percent. but my question to you is when i saw what he did after the cameras were rolling and he kind of like was nice to people again i thought that that took me out of it because i feel like we live in an age now where MJF sticks to the fucking character, whatever he's doing, right? Like I use him as a high example here because the dude's committed to whatever he's doing, whether it's a babyface or heel. And I don't think MJF in that role, not that he would ever be in that role, but MJF in that role wouldn't have fucking gone from one to the other. I think he would have committed to the role. I feel like the rock because he's the rock is just like, ha ha, I'm having a good time and whatever. I feel like in order for this to be as monumental as everybody's trying to make it, that he needs to commit from a point of view of like, I am not going to make anybody laugh. I am not going to do anything entertaining in that aspect of it. I'm going to have a clear cut motive. I'm going to say what I need to say. And I don't care if they're not cheering me. I don't care. I want to be the fucking bad guy. But I think the issue is, is they're teeter tottering tightrope walking here because he's going to turn on Roman in a month or whatever. And then we're back to the fucking races of like, yay, it's the rock, which is fine. But I don't, I think in order for that to happen, that Domino needs to fall a certain way. And I want more commitment from The Rock in terms of his character. That's just me. But I, I, I agree I, with you, but it ain't going to happen. No, it's not going to happen because he's The Rock. He's just, he's too big of like a, he's too big of the public figure. Like he's literally a boss. He runs freaking, he's part of running the United Football League. Like just all these things. It's just, he just, he's like, and it's, it makes it tough because you have to, as a wrestling fan, try to just keep it to what you see on screen. But it's so impossible in today's day and age with all the exposure we have for everything. It makes it so much harder for these guys. That's why you get guys like The Miz, like even though they're such a great heel, it's like you see all the good shit he does afterwards and you can't help and be like, okay, I like this guy. And that's why like you get natural baby face turns there. But it is, it is hard. And that's why a guy like MJF is special because he like literally makes it. And even like all the people that are super close to him and friends like him keep the gimmick going. Like fucking Cody's a big brother to him, but Cody says he's an asshole. Like FTR goes with the gimmick. Like he's the worst person in the world. Like it just like everyone kind of keeps up the gimmick for him too. But it's just with the rock. It's just not a possibility because this guy, he's just such a, he's like legitimately like a top five star in the world. Like it's so it just, it's, it's a different animal. And I think that's part of the reason why this is going to be a challenge too is because there's going to be that little bit of believability that is tough to wrap our heads around, you know? And it's, so it's just like, as long as like they do his best, I like, I, I felt like he did commit to try to really do it on Friday. So I applaud that. I just felt like they could have done it a lot better and more fleshed out. But as we've said, with how would like the, what we think of the perceived pivot that they did a couple weeks ago, they're doing this shit on the fly. So I understand it's not going to be perfect in that, but it's, you know, I just, the, the appearances of Rock and Roman are so limited. When they're on screen, man, it has to be a home run. And that's what's made Roman so good the last few years is he has done that. We'll go three months without seeing him. We'll bitch about, God, he's never here. Travel cuck. He'll show up for one fucking SmackDown, do fucking one backstage segment and one in promo, run rain, rain, in rain promo, and we'll be like, oh, my God, Roman's the fucking greatest. Mm-hmm. So it's just like. The Rock has to keep that level with Roman for this to really be nailed, and they didn't do that Friday. Okay. All right. Anything else that you thought was negative? 
Uh, I, I don't really have much negative, but things that I just really didn't. I don't know. It's it's uh the problem with the chambers this year is I feel like we kind of knew everyone who was going to be in it, and I saw our boy Guthrie say this on Twitter too, and I kind of agree. It's like this has felt like Becky and Rhea collision course forever, so it really has taken away from the other cool stories in this match because it's just like Liv continues to like lay out her platform of why she is a fucking perfect opponent for Rhea. It's just like, damn, but we're not going to get it. You know what I mean? And obviously they had Raquel come back and she won after the brutal, like, uh, like, uh, injury or disease, whatever she had going on. She's, she's back. She's in there. So it's a pretty stacked one. I mean, you got Stratton, uh, in there, you got Naomi who just came back in there. And then obviously Bianca, like it's a star studded chamber, but it just, it feels like it's just an automatic Becky. So it kind of takes some of the excitement out of it. But I think what we ha- I have to try to get my mind around for me personally is just like, okay, what can we create from this? Because in the men's, I can see things like if if they are going to do Logan Paul, LA Knight, they can kind of set that up in the chamber. Those guys, you know what I mean? Those guys being there. But in the women's, I'm just I'm having a hard time seeing it besides just being how everything's been, just like predictable, predictable, predictable. It's like looking for that one curveball, which Raquel kind of was a curveball on Monday. So I thought that was cool. But I'm hoping that we get maybe another curveball or two within the chamber to kind of for us to be like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Damn. Uh, look, I will say this much. I am not excited for the women's chamber, and I'll tell you why. Monday night, they had Becky come out with that promo, and she cut a promo about the collision course about Mommy and the man, and I thought this would have been a great promo after she won. But the exactly. minute she fucking opened her mouth and started, well, she was a fucking clown at the beginning with like, do you like my hat? And I went, fuck you. That's a stupid fucking hat. Like, you're not as entertaining as you think. You're just not. I don't give a shit what anybody says. She's not as entertaining as she thinks. She's fucking overpaid and fucking overhyped. I, I, every time she's on my fucking screen, I went, this fucking, uh, this person, Jesus Christ, I can't, I just fucking can't do it. But then she fucking, she does that spiel and I'm like, okay, literally nobody in the, the chamber matters now. Then Liv comes out, cuts a fucking great promo. And I'm like, I want Liv to win this thing. I want Liv because Liv, has a better like i'm thinking about it like this i know that vince mcmahon and triple h they look at fucking things and they think about the fucking marquee right mommy versus the man and i get that i do i really truly do but god damn it friends you look at the video package you look at what fucking Liv said they were tag champs they fucking got injured she came back like there's a fucking video package there that's gonna be fucking wrestlemania quality but they're not going to go that route. They're going to give it to the fucking man because she's the fucking whatever. And it bothers the hell out of me. And then each person came out. And as each person fucking came out, it got fucking worse. And I was just like, it felt like I was watching an episode of fucking Sally Jesse Raphael. Like it was just like Jerry Springer. It was just it was some stupid fucking thing. And I'm like, why do the women get these stupid segments? And then, of course, like even McApee under his breath was just like, and Nia, like he had to fucking say it to fucking save that thing. Then, of course, Nia beats all five of them, which, again, I get because it's a thing. But I just I, I couldn't I couldn't wrap my brain around it. I just didn't understand why they thought that that was a good plan. I really don't. And like you said, the women's chamber, we've talked about this. The chamber, WrestleMania, all that lead up fucking sucks most of the time. And I'm really hoping that's not the case. Because we know those matches are going to be good. We know that the matches are going to be good. Because they're just they're just too many people in the WWE that are just great at their job. But the fucking things they have to say and do 
are fucking comical and stupid. And I just, when you get to WrestleMania and you want to be in a marquee fucking match, you got to give me, a, it's for a title, it's for a reason, it's for a fucking blood feud, something like that. Don't give me the fucking clown show that Becky Lynch comes out in her fucking Spice Girls outfit. Give me something fucking that matters. Give me something that, like, that's the part I have, that's, we, we talked about this constantly, but it's true. Like, Seth Rollins became a fucking clown. And, like, I get that it's part of his gimmick, but he can turn it on and turn it off. But when you're, to me, when you're up to the fucking tippy top of the card, sometimes, especially during WrestleMania season at least, you got to fucking tailor the expectation of being haha and really fucking light the fucking fuse and let's fucking have a fucking serious conversation about something. You know, like, let's let's do it because you're going to have your haha somewhere else. You're going to have your fucking entertainment with your fucking Otis's and Strowman's and fucking other shit that's going to be great later on, you know, the early undercard. That's great. But I don't want that shit in my fucking main events. I just don't. Sorry. So I do have a hope off. I do have a hope off this. I don't know okay. if we're done the heat, but I do have a hope off this to kind of maybe it'll ease a little bit of the pain because it's something I've thought about for a while. And I think it's the way they're setting it up. I think it would we look back and be like, OK, I feel better about it now. Do you, you want me to get into it? Or should we? Well, it's not the hope yet, but I mean, you, it is a natural conversation. So let's do it. OK, uh, so. Obviously, we know they're doing Becky and Rhea at Mania. For all the reasons that you said, it is a marquee match. It is the big name thing. They've kept them apart on purpose. But the one thing about WrestleMania is that it always feels like whoever the challenger is has to win. But every now and then, the champion can retain. So my hope is that Rhea Ripley retains against Becky Lynch, has another big moment at WrestleMania, and looks dominant. But down the line, the person who upsets her and takes that title off for down the line is Liv Morgan because that's where the national story is. The story is a story with Liv and Rhea better than Becky and Rhea, yes. But we understand why Becky and Rhea, you spelled it out perfectly. I, it frustrates both of us, but we both understand like it's the marquee. It makes sense. It is the big money mania match. But Becky doesn't have to win. She can put over Rhea. And then down the line, whenever whenever this live Rhea thing pays off, it could be the it could be a backlash or it could be money in the bank again or whatever, something like that. SummerSlam, Liv is the one who finally gets her revenge on Rhea. But I think I feel like her retaining against Becky, I actually kind of like it too because it gives Rhea that stamp on her title reign that she really hasn't had. I think by going and having likely a dominant main event victory over Nia Jax in not Perth, followed by a dominant. Uh, big money mania match retain against Becky would help erase a lot of what the negatives people have felt about her title reign, which personally, again, I've said for the most part, like I know the match quality and like the contenders haven't been there, but in terms of her character and what is she's meant as a champion and like the face of a show, I think she's nailed that. So I've been okay with that, but I do agree in terms of the legacy of a reign or for someone they need to have those stamp moments. And I think the Naya and Becky, her getting past both of them are those moments. And then eventually we can bring everything full circle and she can put live over one more time to pay off that story. So that's my hope. I think it'll make us feel better about a lot of this stuff. Hashtag JC knows hashtag JC hopes come true. Hashtag trust JC hashtag JC. Okay. 
Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, I guess we'll just go into the hope here because it, it just seems like a natural progression. So we'll move on. Uh, my hope is uh, something that was a very small giveaway on SmackDown, but it made me go, you know what? Maybe there's some life to this. Maybe there's something to do here. AJ Styles slapped the fucking shit out of Carl Anderson. And I went, well, I'm interested in this. And of course, we know there's a backstory there. We know there's something there. I've always been a Carl Anderson guy, even to the point where JC's laughed me out of a fucking podcast for it. Uh, but there's something. <laughs> Should we bring up what you said to me? I mean, I you, you know what? You told me Carl Anderson was going to be a world champion. I looked at you. I was like, that guy? I also said Mojo Raleigh was going to be the next John Cena. So, you know, <laughs> you know, but here's the thing. I'm out on my own fucking limb. I'm wrong. Like 99.9% yeah, you know of the time, but Mojo had wrong. something. It wasn't Cena, but he had something. That's for sure. Oh yeah. He, he probably had a lot of things. That's beside the hype point. Bro. Yeah. He's a hype bro. But anyway, to my point is if AJ <laughs> Styles is kind of in this weird murky thing, I think it's going to help his character development going forward. So my hope is like, okay, AJ Styles being a lone wolf or a lone gunsman or whatever you want to call him and his jet black and his fucking soccer mom hair and doing whatever the fuck that trench coat is. Like if he faces Carl Anderson at, at, at WrestleMania, I think that'd be at least for them. I'm assuming that would be really cool. And I think I'm not looking at it like, oh, my God, Carl Anderson. I'm not looking at it at that aspect. I'm looking at it as the Meachins, the Carl Andersons and the fucking Luke Gallows, who are pretty much probably going to get fucking canned after this round. At least this can help catapult AJ into a different stratosphere in terms of his character. Because the one thing I've said about AJ Styles is you can't knock what's in the ring. It's just when it comes to the character. I think that he did what he could with the Pitbull character and the being the the, the amazing athleticism that he throw that he throws out there. But AJ Styles has the ability to do anything. And I think this new character is kind of just like this. It's incubated still, and it's not necessarily a full-fledged, it's half-baked right now. And I think that this is a very important plot point that I'm very interested in. And I'm hoping that by him dissecting the club, the OC, and maybe even doing something to Meechin indirectly, I think that's important for him to get to a point where I think he's more watchable. And I'm not saying in the ring. I'm saying just as a character. I'm hopeful that this makes AJ another chance at the fucking Apple, right? Another chance at the fucking world title, maybe on SmackDown, maybe on on Raw, probably more likely on Raw, because once Cody wins, it's going to be a fucking train. But I just think that AJ Styles needs to have that one last go. And I think if they're going to use this character, it's an absolutely hopeful point here that those three put him over in a very fantastic way for this to work. So that's my hope. I don't think that'll happen in WrestleMania. I think a random SmackDown, AJ can beat Carl Anderson or whatever. But I am curious how... Because I think it's it is I agree with you. He's definitely like they're trying to make him like a bad guy, badass again. So cutting them out of his life is the way to go. I just I'm having trouble with especially a lot of these SmackDown single stars like envisioning what they're doing at Mania. You know what I mean? Because we have some of these guys in the chamber, but it's just like it, I I still think LA Knight Logan Paul makes a lot of sense, but they could just do KO Logan Paul again. But I'm looking at AJ Styles, even like Randy Orton or Solo Sokoa, like. I'm looking at some of these single stars. They just signed Braun Breaker to SmackDown. It's just, there's a lot of like big name men stars where it's just like, are there going to be random singles matches here mixed in? Cause we usually can get seven and seven sometimes, but it just, it's, it feels weird. And like with AJ, he's like, guys, like, I don't know where he fits and it'd be weird to not have AJ on mania. So I don't know if they have some sort of like ladder match or some multi-man match. Like 
they usually do that for a title, but it feels like both Gunther and Logan Paul deserve single titles. So I am very curious how they do it. It's something I want to pay attention to. So I'm glad he's getting these little like side stories going to keep us him in our mind and let him continue to develop this like character because I do think it's important, but I am curious to see the next what month and a half, like where a lot of these ancillary pieces like kind of fit as we round out this mania card. Cause it just, it's, it's, it doesn't, AJ is one of those guys that just doesn't seem to be a clear path. And that's weird. Cause it's fucking AJ styles. He's only got so many of these left. Probably he's already part time. So you got to think they really want to nail at least one or two more with him and like big profile matches at mania. So I'm curious to see what happens with them. There's a lot of people that are going to be left out of mania. I think I'd, I would be surprised. I think I'm going to say it right now. I hope I'm wrong. Braun breaker smells like he is going to be the fucking Andre giant Memorial battle Royal winner. Like that. I feel they, they've been doing that on like SmackDown though. So no, I don't I even, know. Yeah. So I, it's just, it's a weird, I don't know. It's, it's just such a weird thing. Like I feel like, I wish there was a way maybe they can set up like number one contender matches or something like this. Mm. There's just, there's gotta be a way to get some of these guys involved, but it's just the random singles matches are always tough too. It's like, we kind of need to set up a story here, but I don't know. It just, it feels like also that the women are going to get more opportunities than they have, which means less men matches, which I'm very for. Like I would love to see like Bianca and Jade non title. You know what I mean? Like a couple non-title matches for the woman. Cause I think that's important. And there's a lot of women that deserve it, but I mean, it's one of those things like we always like laugh and say like the Andre the Giants are a waste of time. The reason why I don't think they are, because I think it allows a lot of people a chance to just at least be there. And there's always people that deserve that for the whole year that work their asses off that should be there. And it's a chance for people to have a little shine and a little moment as silly as it seems. So I'm hoping there's opportunities. But for a guy like AJ, it just feels weird because it feels like he's a guy that still should have a singles match this year. So, yeah, we'll see. I don't know. Okay. Well. It's going to be a weird, weird mania for sure, I think, going forward. But we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, let's talk about our comebacks then, shall we? Oh, thank you for saying that, Adam, because that brings me to JC's Meat Match of the Week. It also brings uh, JC's comeback, and that is Chad Gable, who's the fucking man. Uh, he bounced back in a big way this week with a big win over Ivar. And you know what, man? He had that momentum with the crowd again. You felt again. It's like, oh, yeah, we kind of like hit pause on his chase of Gunther in the Intercontinental Championship. And now that Jay's had his shot and Jay kind of seems on his way, Jimmy, it's like, well, we don't know who's facing Gunther at Mania slash. We've always, I've always said Chad Gable seems like one of the guys that could do it. And he was so close last time, came just short. And he like cut the promo being like, I will be back. I'm going to start from the bottom and go up. And, and this felt like part of the Gable resurgence just felt because it felt like a lot of people were excited. The crowd was into it. It's just like, he started to get that magic back a little bit. And I'm like, man, could there be an opportunity where he could be the guy? Could he be the guy? So he's getting my comeback this week because I'm just glad to have that feeling because, like I said, I'm trying to figure out where everyone fits going into Mania. I'm trying to think, like, what do I want to see? Who do I want to see challenge Gunther? He's pretty much – now he's beating Jay. He's beating everyone. Sammy had that promo, which it seems like he could be setting himself up for Gunther. But so I like that there's contenders here. I'm curious to see how it plays out because there's a lot of deserving people, but – I thought this was a big standout comeback for Chad Gable. He did it mano we mano, took down the big bad Ivar. So he's getting my comeback this week. I was going to say, Sami Zayn seems like the shoe in for Gunther, and I think he's going to win. I think it sucks because I feel like, not saying Sami's a waste, but I think Sami's above the Intercontinental title now. I feel like, to me, Sami is world champion or bust. We've already had him as the IC champion a bunch of times. 
maybe that's because, you know, we're stuck in the vortex of, you know, we can't have particular people who are no longer with the company for obvious reasons. And, and Gunther wanted to fight them and now they're not there and they're scrambling and they want to have a big match. But I don't know. I, I think Gable is a perfect person that could really enjoy that icy title reign. There are other people like Jay that would deserve it as well. But again, like you talked about, it's just, there's so many things that are happening that are just kind of like everybody's cooking, but nobody's, this is a weird thing to say. Everybody's cooking, but nobody's really standing out past the people we already know stand out. Like to me, there's a lot of people who deserve chances and, and spots, but they all do. And there's not somebody that's like head and shoulders above the rest. Like there are people who are staples in WrestleMania and need to be there. But I'm looking at the undercard going like that Logan Paul match seems like it's going to be a ladder match with eight dudes. Cause he keeps asking for challengers. And I feel like fucking that would Nick be Aldis one way to set it up. <laughs> and Nick Aldis feels like a guy, like he's just like, okay, fuck face. Like, you know, here you go. And so I just, I, I think that cause Gunther in a ladder match makes no fucking sense. Especially if he loses that way, that would be the fucking worst. You want to see someone. Yeah, no, whoever, I feel like Gunther's reign has to win in a definitive pin. They can't do a cop out. Cause it's got to be a big like moment. Like, so it just, it feels like obviously the mania stage makes sense for that. So Sammy and Gable definitely feel like that, but he's another one I could see being one of the few that actually retains at mania. Like I feel like if it's him and Sammy, I could see him retain that mania to continue to Sammy knock Sammy down. Cause like you said, I think the real goal for Sammy here is that overcoming and like building towards a world title again. So having another stopgap, like he's been a great intercontinental champion in the past. Like he's done it and it's, and I'm it'd be great to see him as a champion again, but it just, it's, I feel like the loss almost does him more. So if I feel like they want a winner at mania, I think it's more the Chad Gable lane. So I am curious how this plays out because obviously, like you said, Brock Lesnar, he's, he's not there anymore. And that was clearly where they were, were looking to go with Gunther. Uh, so it's, uh, there's, there's a, there's a spot open for someone there. All right, moving on to my comeback. I'm going to give it to the man bun, Karrion Cross. Just kidding. I just when I saw that man bun, it made me go, what the fuck? Like, what a great entrance. And then the man bun happened, and I thought, what a fucking terror shamer. Yep, exactly. Like, if I put my, so here's my thing. You don't think I'm a menacing human being anyway. But the minute you see a fucking man bun, right? The minute you see a man bun, I say to myself, that person's not tough. Like, I don't give a shit. You're not tough. You know, you're just not. And that's whatever. But then they fucking they took on big hot big body Javi, which that's my real comeback this week because when I, I thought that man was in obscurity and he just fucking showed up on SmackDown and I went big hot body Javi, that dude's got a great future. I hope they continue to use him, but it seems like he's not on fucking NXT ever. He hasn't been NXT in a long time. It's weird, and they didn't even call him big body Javi on SmackDown. It was Javier Javi. Bernal and then some dude I've never heard of who I've seen on NXT before. But it just yeah. it made me feel like I was excited to see him, and I was like, why aren't we using him? He's great. But they don't fucking use him. So, I, but I was so excited to see him, and then that man bun. I was just, it was, my brain wanted to explode. Like, it was past the fucking okay. He went from a bald psychopath to fucking cool hair, to the fucking man bun, and I went like, "You're supposed to be menacing. What the fuck are you doing?" But I try not this to. Must shame. have been a very like a bunch of Nestlemania emotions in the segment because it was a jobber alert, which you love. You yep. always want more jobber matches. Yep. But it was with AOP who you don't like, 
Nope. Carrying Cross is man bun, but also my big body hobby. So it must have just been pulling on your emotions. Because for me, I was like, sweet. I get to watch AOP do their fucking three moves of doom and just fucking squash people. I love it. These fucking big meaty men. Like this was almost the meat match of the week. This was the, the jobber meat match of the week, so to speak, was AOP versus this these was guys. clearance. Just... Clearance. This was the, uh, the what do they call it in the fucking uh, grocery store in the fucking yeah. the chef special or whatever the fuck it's called. Fucking meat special or whatever, you know, the special meat. Manager <laughs> yeah, special. Was, manager this is the special almost meat. expired meat. Yeah, yeah manager exactly. special. This is the manager special meat match of the week. <laughs> got my super collider, got my synchronized power bomb with my big goons. Uh, so I was happy. But yeah, no, it was cool to see uh, Big Body Javi. But I hope this is a good sign because it felt like he was starting to find a little niche there in NXT. But I feel like, uh, what's his name? Lexus Kane is kind of taking his role like as a more serious like contender type role of it, but like with that little comedy, like annoying pain in the ass that everyone hates. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just, it feels like maybe they're trying to figure something out with Javi, but it was nice to see him get a chance to be on SmackDown because I think usually when they do stuff like that, it's, it means like that there's someone they do want to invest in. So hopefully he gets a shot. You can say anything you want about it, but uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a rough go, but anyway, uh, we should get over to the big old finish. We got our uh, elimination chamber product predictions. I can't even talk. I'm so tired. Uh, We should probably glance over AEW, I guess, if you really want. We'll do that after chamber. We'll start here on SmackDown because that is before it's already pre-taped, like you said, but we have Dunn and Bate taking on Dom and JD McDonough. We have the Street Profits versus, you down with AOP? Yeah, you know me. We have Braun Breaker's debut, so maybe he'll squash Big Body Javi. Then we have LA Knight, yeah, versus Drew McIntyre and what I would think is the main event. I would think so, but again, these are things that just like, why? What? What are we? What are we doing? But well, I like that we got Street Profits AOP. I like that we have Breakers debut because they're separate from the pay per view. I don't really love McIntyre and LA Knight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, having the match, but whatever it is. Just, I think it's. I think they're really trying to pump Drew up because they're getting him ready to like feel like he deserves to be against Seth. So, yeah, I mean, look, I I don't mind it. It's just it. I don't think it's necessary personally, but it is. It is what it is. We do have two matches on Raw as well scheduled. One I'm excited for is a street fight between The New Day and Imperium. And then we have a match that I am not excited for, Sami Zayn versus Shinsuke Nakamura. Yeah, when I saw that, I went, really? Like, I know that Shinsuke is going to get a big dub here, but, like, really? Really? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, J-Boats. I don't know. Something. Should we go to the chamber? Let's do it. Let's get healthy and happy about this kind of thing on 5 a.m. on a Saturday fucking morning. Sorry. It's not all about you, Adam. Think about the people of Australia. This is I awesome don't give a and shit I, about you. Their toilets going know. You, you think the world revolves around Nestlemania. That is a sad world if it does. But we're not going to start with matches. We're going to get the predictions. But I feel like we got to at least hit on the Grayson Waller effect and our expectations for it. Because we know Cody and Seth are his guests. In a dream world, Rock and Roman are there, and we get it. In a more likely world, I think it's Paul Heyman, Jimmy Uso, and Solo Sokoa. I wouldn't even be surprised. I mean, Seth can't really wrestle, so I guess they can't do like an impromptu tag. But I, it's the one thing for me on this card is obviously because Bronson Reed and Indy Hartwell didn't qualify. Grayson Waller is like the only like Aussie on the card, and he's not even wrestling. So I, it's it feels like that there could be something impromptu here to kind of do that, but. I think that's the one miss here is like not being able to highlight your Australian stars besides Grayson here um, in any way, which is kind of a bummer, but I get it. It's mania season and you know, you, the big guns, the big guns have to be in like Raquel and Bobby had to be in the chamber. It makes sense. So 
I get it, but it just it, that was weird to me. But I'm curious what you think about this segment. If you think it'll just be a fun thing with this, you know, set up more bloodline bullshit with the ancillary pieces, or if the Rock or Roman make the trip. I think that the Rock shows up. I think the Rock definitely. I think the Rock shows up. I think the Rock sets the table. No pun intended for what we're about to him. I would say there is a in my head a 15 20 percent chance that Roman Reigns shows is up too. But I. I think it's to lay the groundwork for the tag match for night one. But I would even go as far as, and this is what scares me because you said it last week and I feel like you put it out in the universe, not me for once, which was like, please, Cody, don't get injured. Please, Cody, don't do something stupid. I know. But he's also a fucking maniac. So I feel like, you know, and they can't really hurt Seth. So or they don't want to, but it just feels like I could see them attacking Seth and Cody and fucking annihilating them, like putting them through tables or fucking ooing and fucking all all sorts of shit and fucking just laying waste to them and being like, okay, like they're they're gonna have to fight from the bottom and, and we're off and running. What we're probably gonna get is a fucking handshake from Heyman to fucking put the fucking thing over and that's it. And I'm gonna be really disappointed because I feel like the people of Australia deserve something really cool. Yeah, yeah, I think it's gonna be more about like Grace and Cody and Seth, and then they'll come in at the end. But I am I am curious. I, I think we have to bring this up here too because it's something I wanted to talk about with you. Because the one thing that's weird for me about this, the tag match being night one, is I understand Cody wrestling twice. But that means Seth and Roman are also wrestling twice, which is a guy who barely wrestles because he's dealing with a lot of injuries. And then a guy coming off a major injury. It just, it feels weird to me that it feels like I we, that might not actually be what they're doing. Like, I almost could see it being more of like Cody has to beat the rock night one. And then it's Cody Roman. Night, like, you know what I mean? Cause it just, it feels weird to me that like, again, I understand Cody wrestling twice. It makes perfect sense. He's a fucking primetime player, whatever, but Seth coming off that injury and Roman, the guy who's wrestled like freaking twice in this calendar year, it just feels weird that they're going to have them. And again, in a tag match, you can do less, but it's like the rock ain't fucking carrying this match. So that's a lot to put on Roman. So I'm just curious what you think of that because I've been thinking about that and I'm like, I feel like there's something else going on here because I don't know if this is much of a layup as we think. I would think based on that trailer with all four of them that it needs to happen somehow, some way. Now I can entertain your thought, but I think for me, and maybe it's the legacy of, of WrestleMania, right? Like fucking Bret Hart had to wrestle twice at WrestleMania 10, fucking 20, or I don't know if it was 20 or 20. Somebody had to do the double work with Daniel Bryan. Like, at 30, like, I don't know if it's just like the 10s fucking, you know, have the fucking baby face fight twice, but I feel like that's passe. I feel like that's kind of already been done. I don't think that's important because having the rock put like the rock versus Roman is something they'll do next year. But I feel like if the rock got involved and said like, Oh, put up your WrestleMania spot on the line, you fucking pussy. Like, Oh, you know, he'd see something fucking stupid like that. And then it'd be like, yeah. if they did that to Cody, that makes Cody look like a fucking moron. Like you can say he's trying to be a fucking good guy and fucking whatever, but like, well, that's why I think like, it's one of those. Cause the way they set it up, like is the rock has power. The rock can fix these things. The rock can go over people's head. So it's like, he couldn't make it like, he could just make it a decree. Like this is how it is. And you can't do anything about it. Your buddy Hunter can't do anything about it, You know what I mean? So there's definitely ways to do it that route. Just, because again, to me, like the tag match makes a lot of sense. But to me, what I like just doesn't make a lot of sense is like Roman and Seth also having to wrestle twice, which granted, like Seth could be would likely be fine by then and whatever. But it's just like 
coming off the injury he is, and then Roman, a guy who's just like his body's already in peril. That's why he's not wrestling a lot. It's and then the Rock ain't gonna carry a match with Cody in a tag match. So it's just it's a weird, it's a weird dynamic to me. There's obviously they, there's ways to do it because that match is gonna be a lot more about pomp and circumstance, but. It was just something that I was thinking about that I just wanted to put out there just to like kind of see how this develops because I don't think this is a sure thing as we all think. I'm curious if there's they maybe got something a surprise for us, which would be cool. But who knows? I mean, I would love I would love the tag match having implications for the main event in terms of like if Seth and Cody win, then that means that their bloodline it cannot be you know, involved or whatever, or like Roman Reigns wins and they can pick the fucking stipulation. Like, I think that would be helpful to making it seem like it's even bigger steps and bigger stakes. But I don't know, like I, we're in WrestleMania season, right? Anything can happen. So I think the rock has to wrestle. We just don't know where and who. So yeah, I think, I think I, here's the thing. I feel more comfortable with the idea of the rock wrestling, a tag match at WrestleMania than The Rock wrestling a WrestleMania main event when he probably hasn't put in enough time to do it. No, oh, I agree. I agree. I think the expectation just, is the expectation yeah. is right there. So, my concern, like I said, is just with the other two, the two of the members of the Shield that still work for them. But we'll see how it plays out. We got this card to predict. We have four matches in WrestleMania. We have a tag match for the undisputed WWE Tag Team Championships. We have the Judgment Day, Finn Balor and Damian Priest defending against. You told me this name. I completely missed it. The New Catch Republic. Mm. I don't understand Pete it. Dunn I don't and like Tyler it. Bate. Yeah, it's bad. So uh, give me the Judgment Day because your name sucks. You can't be champions with a shitty name like that. No, not even fucking close. It'll be a great fucking match, though. Um, I'm sure we'll love oh, yeah. it. But like, th- these they're not going to lose those tag titles until Mania, maybe even after. Who the fuck knows? So yeah, no. If it feels like they're probably in for a multi-man match at Mania, and they'll probably lose them then. But we'll see. Then WrestleMania, we have an elimination chamber match for the women's world championship match at WrestleMania. We have Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair, Liv Morgan, Tiffany Stratton, Naomi, Raquel Rodriguez. We're probably both picking Becky here, um, but I am curious to see if there's anybody who gets involved or any chicanery. Um, I'm assuming that Bianca's probably going to get a couple eliminations to look good. I could see Stratton maybe eliminating her to set up something down the line, but I am curious if something happens with Jade here that I think would be cool, but they'll probably leave that. But I think the one person they might have to get creative to eliminate is Bianca, but this feels like the Becky show as we all expect. I mean, we're both picking Becky here. I think if it was smart, I I, I can see your logic and that seems to be the realm of possibility. Like that's the most realistic thing I think that could be happening here is that, like you said, Belair gets a lot of the the uh, the pinfalls and stuff, but I could really see Liv Morgan and Becky Lynch being the final two. I think because, I would like that because of the <laughs> way things have shaken out for me. Like I love Naomi. I think she, she's done a great job in Impact, and she's like renewed everything. And she can maybe this is her time to she learned a fucking new hold and she came back kind of thing. Like she's she's gonna be you know a breath of fresh air. Um, Belair. It's kind of been there, done that. I'm not saying she's not cool. I'm just saying, like, this is not her year. I she doesn't doesn't need the championship anyway to be a big deal. I did love the line about you know you can't spell WrestleMania without EST. I thought that was cute, but you know I, you don't need that. Raquel, thanks for coming. You're just fucking filling a spot and probably doing something really cool. And then you just Tiffy, cursed her and new eliminating everyone. <laughs> Tiffy time. The more I watch of her, the more I know she's not ready to be the fucking champion. So I think that like clearly a fucking huge you know, road ahead of her and she's going to do great things, but 
when I'm watching her right now, she's not ready for it. So I think that she's just in there to hit the fucking moonsault and, and it'll be wonderful. Um, but yeah, I think that it's more realistic to me to, to make me on the edge of my seat to be like, holy shit, Liv might win. And I think that's important going forward because Becky Lynch is just, if she steamrolls everybody, it's just going to add to my fucking disdain. It really is. Cause it's just like, this is a stacked fucking chamber. Like let's, it is. Let's Legit. fucking make it a good fucking chamber, please. <clears throat> please. I can't, I, I don't even want to beg it, but it's true. We're, we're picking Becky, but it's almost begrudgingly. I think, honestly, I think Liv is probably one of the ones who started, and I think you're right. I think she makes it to the end because what that rumble showed me is that Triple H is making sure to make her look like, make her look like she's a, a stud because I do think she might be the one to beat Rhea afterwards. So I think they definitely want to make her look good, but yeah, that, that it'll be Becky overcoming. Per usual, WrestleMania, we head on to an Elimination Chamber match for a World Heavyweight Championship match at WrestleMania. We have uh, DM Hunk, Drew McIntyre. We have RKO, Randy Orton. We have the almighty Bobby Lashley. Yeah, LA Knight's in this match. We have uh, Kevin Owens and the Maverick, Logan Paul, WrestleMania. Again, this feels pretty straightforward like a Drew McIntyre win. I don't think we're going to have a curveball. Uh, because I just don't see Seth facing Randy, Bobby, LA, Kevin, or Logan. They didn't really put anyone else in here. If Sammy was in here, I think there'd be a seat of doubt, but there isn't. So uh, I think it's pretty clearly the DM hunk show. So we're both picking McIntyre. That's that's a given here. I think McIntyre is the hottest he's ever been. And if they pick somebody else, I'd be fucking incredibly shocked. The only person in this matchup that I think even has a remote chance of fucking even coming close is Randy Orton. But I yeah. don't well, see that, that happening. We've seen we've seen that. So I think, you know, it's it's not great. But here's my thing here. This is the part that I think that if WWE takes a chance here, right? Like Randy's in this match because he's Randy fucking Orton, right? But I'm going to go out on a limb here, right? I'm going to say the final three here, right, are going to be Mac, take a chance on LA Knight, take a flyer. And then Logan Paul. And what you do here is you fucking have LA Knight beat fucking Logan with the fucking BFT or whatever. And then you have Logan Paul come back, cost LA Knight. So you can set that up for WrestleMania. And Drew yep. can continue having other people do the handiwork yep. for him. And fucking he gets his moment and then ignores the fact that he's a hypocrite. I think that that's more, you know what I mean? Like, I think that that to me seems like, what's the most logical and you, when you get LA Knight at the end, you're like, Holy shit. Again, with the live thing, LA Knight. Oh my God. Is he going to go to WrestleMania? Are they going to fucking do it? No, fuck you. It's Mac. But like, those are what keep me interested. Cause I'll be honest. If I see fucking Logan Paul at the end, I'll be shocked, but I don't care about KO at the end. KO can do whatever. Randy Orton and Lashley. I don't want to see at the end because they haven't done anything to me to make WrestleMania WrestleMania. So being the fact that they coined McIntyre, the savior of WrestleMania, like this is it like it's his show now so that's just how yeah I no and you laid it out perfectly because i think la Knight in this situation is the live and that's a perfect way to set up that match because the to me looking at it like you said the only other person believable that maybe they do it is la Knight, just because it'd be a pretty big fucking cool thing but yeah no i think we're getting the tease there but nestlemania that brings us to the main event a singles match for the women's world championship rhea ripley in her hometown in her home country defense against nia Jax. We're obviously picking Rhea, but this is pretty fucking cool. We are both picking Rhea. You know what crosses my mind? I know they won't do it, but if it goes on last, I say, fuck it. Let's go. Let's do it. She fucking 
she does the riptide from the second rope mm. and the fucking ring gives out. No, you want the ring to break. I, I think that'd be fucking awesome. Like what a nothing would be a better visual to launch her into fucking WrestleMania than that. Not only did I beat fucking Nia Jax, I put her through the fucking mat. Like think about as long that. as they let her, they they do the three count on the broken ring. They don't yes. like fucking pony bullshit. Yes. Yeah, I'm cool yes. I think that would be an amazing way to make her fucking like that's a stud making moment right there. Not that she needs it, but it definitely would fucking enhance everything that she's done. Because honestly, like yeah. you said, tomato cans across the board until now, at least in my opinion. But that's just yeah. Me. No, you're right. That's these are the these are the two. You need the two big fucking bullets here at the end here. Beat Nia, beat Rebecca, and now you've solidified your reign. So yeah. this is a pretty big important step, and I think it's kind of cool that she gets to do it in Perth. So you know, let's go. Let's go. All right. Uh, should we piss through AEW real quickly? Yeah, you bring it up because I don't have it prepared. All right, here it is. Uh, I'm not even going to read what Ray put in with this, this like hilarious back and forth thing. Um, we're going to start. Deanna Perrazzo in action. Okay, great. Then it's Timeless Tony Storm in action. Okay, great. Then the two head scratchers of the night, JC. John Moxley, fucking Mr. Whoop, whoop, whoop himself against, and uh, Claudio Castagnoli against FTR in a random tag match for like basically, I know there's a reason, but not they enough. They kind of set reason. it up. They kind of set it up, but it's just like. Uh, it's weird because they have the is the pay per view the weekend after this. Yes, that feels like something they do more at the pay per view, which means they'll probably have like a fucking eighty man match with all these guys involved in it. But yeah, it is kind of that does feel kind of odd. Yes, not only that, there's no repercussions, no number one contendership, no nothing. It's just just a thing. Well, the rankings are back, so whoever wins might be number you one. You said last week rankings are a joke. Who gives a fuck? Anyway, maybe- I mean they are. Again, no, I said I'm glad the rankings are back. I just wish they actually fucking did them correctly. And then here we go. The main event. This is the biggest fucking what the hell is going on here. A random six-man tag trios match with the AEW World Champion Samoa Joe, Swerve Strickland, who he's fighting at the pay-per-view on the same team, and Brian Cage, for whatever goddamn reason, takes on Hook. Why? Nobody fucking knows. Against Hangman Page. Okay, great. Hangman Page, who's feuding with the other two, which I, I get. And then randomly, not complaining, but just out of no fucking where, Rob Van Dam. And I'm just like, <laughs> what the fuck? He's like, like friends with Hook, I guess. I don't know, man. Like, I just like I get it, but I don't get it. And I'm That's just a I'm weird just, ass main event. It's a weird fucking main event. It's just like, and then like, I don't even want to get into collision, but like, god damn it, like if that's all you got, man, like you're you're getting to a point here where it's like, okay, we got Daniel Bryan on collision against um somebody I'm not gonna be able to pronounce, and I'm I'm sorry, I'm sure I'm gonna upset. Conway and I'll all be their fast you know, forwarding that. Okay. You know what I mean? Like then there's a random thing up here saying that fucking Serena D will be back in action and Thunder Roja will be in action again. Great. But like when you tell me in action, you're telling me you can miss. It's like, a job alert. It's going to yeah, be, if it's a woman's match, the ever, literally everyone who's been in action has faced the uh, queen, whatever her name is. I think they finally signed her, but she literally has been on like two shows a week facing all their top stars just losing every single time, and they've all been in action. So it's just like, <sighs> it's tough. It's, it's tough. It's tough. AW's in a real rut lately, and I, I will see if Boss Time can fucking take him out of the fucking depths. Uh, we got this. Great. What's the pay per view called in two weeks? Is it which one is it? It's Revolution. It's Sting's Bye Bye. Yeah, Revolution. It's supposed to be one of their big ones. So we'll we'll see. That card's obviously going to fill up quick, but it's starting to take shape a little bit. And so far, I'm just kind of like, yeah. Can I ask, and I know you're a Sasha guy and that's fine and, and whatever, but like, 
The one thing I thought of was like Sasha's going to debut at, you know, at the garden. It's going to be a big fucking moment for that moment. But I am nervous that even though she's got a huge following and she can sell tickets, clearly she's helped out for fucking Boston for sure. If you looked at the fucking tickets that's been sold. But I am nervous that she's going to fall into the fucking AW trap of obscurity. Like she's still going to be fucking wonderful. But like there's been so many people that have gone there and it's just like, yeah, she's they don't different do though because in terms of that woman's division, they're like, she's kind of been what they've been missing. Like, I think like Soraya, they were hoping could be that, but she just like, she can't consistently wrestle because they're being careful with her, which I think is smart. And I mean, Brits just completely disappeared and she was one of their biggest stars. Sheeta, they go so hot and cold with, and then like everyone else is just like, Tony's been kind of carrying it. And, but I think you obviously brought in Deanna, who will be a nice workhorse, but Sasha's a different animal because she's just a bigger draw than all of them ever like have been. So it'll be interesting to see how it is. Cause I think no matter what she does, there'll be a tension on it, which I think is helpful. I mean, we saw that when she did like the, the short time before she ended with the new Japan thing, like she's selling out all these random shows, like instantly just by being there with like with the, I remember the San Jose show and stuff like that. So there's going to be, she's a different case than a lot of them, but I mean, like, you're right. Like we've seen them, heard them sign big deal people in the men's and they just kind of fade. But I just, she's more, I think on like, and in terms of the woman's side, she's more on like the Moxley level. Like when you do a sign like that, it really does like, no matter, like no matter what she does, it's going to be a big interest in it. Like Moxley, like we like to make fun of him, but everything he does is like major where it's like a lot of the other WWE signs. It's like, yeah, Swerve, like, obviously he's elevated now, but, like, Swerve's nice, Andrade's nice, Miro's nice. Like, these are nice additions, but they're not, like, top of the card like John Moxley was and Chris Jericho was. I think Sasha's more of that tier, especially in the women's division. So it'll be interesting because we know how Tony is with toys, but with the amount of money and stuff they're going to be playing, if, if it is a full-time thing, like, she's going to be one of the centerpieces of that show, which I think is good for the women's division, but... I mean, we've just seen AEW's inability, besides Tony Storm and Britt Baker, to struggle writing for the woman. So that's more my concern. That's fair. Just wanted to know because you're a Sasha guy. Just want to make sure, you know. It, yeah. it, it, I mean, it is, if, it is if, interesting. if that's what's truly happening in Boston, you know, it's maybe it's a sword in Okada, right? You know, but it is what it is. They, um, I mean, they, they need something. They need injection because, like, we've been shitting on AEW for months. It's just. Maybe the those two are a nice jolt they need, and that kind of gets things together. Because it's especially since MJF has been gone, it has been tough. Can I just make a real point though about AW that I think is it's nice to have with the working relationships from other people? But I feel like Okada would would be a bigger deal had he not already been there for Forbidden 100%. Door. Same things. with Osprey, right? And I love Osprey, but it's just like that's the problem with they, like these things, and they've already. It's the, the my biggest issue with AEW is like, and I understand why they do it. And I understand, especially when Tony says he likes to do it for Rampage, is just bringing in people from other promotions. And I know your brother has been on here and says he loves that too. But I just wish like they keep that more of truly to the Rampages because when they make all those these things such a bigger part of Dynamite, I think it really hurts your roster. Like obviously the big stars are fine, but I think it really hurts your roster. And then when you have someone like MJF who takes up so much TV time gone, it's harder to fill his spot because you have all these people that have been signed to the roster that like have been usurped by like, Oh, we're bringing in this person from triple a that we're trying to make a big deal or new Japan. And just so I think obviously having like Osprey full time and Okada and Mercedes and all these people full time, 
it should help because there's more stars that you can't keep off TV. But I still have the same concerns about the mid card and the bottom of the roster. It's just like you have all these people employed that are good that we like seeing, but it's just like, what's going to happen to Ricky Starks now? He's just going to get pushed away. It's just like that sucks. Ricky Starks is one of the main reasons I watch. He's really fucking good. He's a guy that should be at the top of your programming, but it's just those are the guys that get pushed out when we get these random matches with, oh, Daniel Bryan and John Moxley want to fight the flavor of the month from Japan. It's just like, dude, you signed to AW. Let's fight some AW guys. Come on. That's quite, a conundrum. That's quite, quite a conundrum. Yeah. Quite a conundrum. And again, you know like on Rampage, I think that's cool because that show sucks. So if you want to do that to get some viewers, cool idea. But yeah. on, do you need to do it on Dynamite too? Come on. I think they kill the pop is what it is for me. You know what I mean? Like they kill the like, pop. Yeah. And that that's the hardest part is like you can't put the pop back in. You know, you can't put it back in the box. Once it's out, Once it's out. Once you pop, the front don't stop. Yeah, it's not Pringles, baby. I mean, it just is what it is. But it is what – anyway, we've talked an awful lot, so I think we should probably take it home. What do you think? All right, well, on that note, thank you for listening and watching the Jobberknocker podcast. We'll be back next week with some more Jobberknockery. Jobberknockery.